Uh, no, thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, we uh, want to thank Ben for uh, covering last week, covering a few weeks ago when I was sick. Uh, I love being sick, apparently. Uh, this has been an awesome season of being sick. I'm never sick, and then like I've been sick like three times in a row. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, but um, uh, this past weekend, we got to go uh, with uh, uh, my mom. They had, uh, during their retirement stuff, they had a family offer them a place to go stay for a few days in Florida. And so uh, uh, we hadn't really been away in uh, about a year and a half and uh, decided that would probably be a good thing to try to take. And so we did, and it was great, except for coming back with bronchitis, which was real weird because it's like this, the whole van ride back, it was like, the, you know, it started out kind of, oh, it's, you know, sinus stuff. And then by the time we got home, I was just, just sick. It was just like, this is terrible. But, uh, but we, we did. We had a good time, and I want to thank those for, for helping cover uh, to do that like Ben. So uh, I really do appreciate that. Um, we uh, are continuing our series on uh, Not Condemned. Um, and uh, I really want to just kind of go ahead and jump into uh, what we're talking about today, the passage that we're talking about, because it's a little more lengthy uh, than most of the others that we have done. Uh, and I don't want to miss any of it. I want us to be able to cover it well. And so uh, we're just going to go ahead and jump in. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and go out, go to uh, Romans chapter 8. Uh, and we're uh, starting in verse 31. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They'll be glad to get you one. Throw your hand up, let them know that you need it, and uh, uh, they'll get you one. And uh, if you don't own one, you can keep it. We'd love for you to take it with you, and you can have it. It's a gift from us, and uh, hope that uh, you let the Lord speak to you through it. It's his word. Um, but, uh, you know, as we've been studying through the book of, of uh, well, the, the chapter of Romans 8 uh, specifically, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but one of the things uh, that I feel like is that we've been gaining more understanding of who God is and how he works uh, for our salvation and well-being, um, you know, and just, you know, just, a, just any time I learn more about God, there's this amazing thing that happens on the other end of that that blesses me in just understanding more of who he is. It makes it that much more meaningful of the work that he's done to save me. Uh, and, and even more so, every time I learn more about who God is, I find myself kind of in this moment of uh, why in the world did he save me? Uh, you know, it's like you, you didn't need to do that. You certainly didn't need to do it for you. Uh, and so, uh, but he did. He did do it, uh, and, and he loves us and he cares for us. Um, and this idea of no condemnation, you know, this, uh, this idea that, you know, it brings us to a special place as his adopted sons and daughter, daughters, you know, this idea that he's not condemning us today, but uh, loves us and has saved us is this just amazing thing. Um, and a little bit later in the service, if you're good with it, I hope you are, we're going we're gonna to mix things up and do something a little different so you can kind of follow along uh, to the end if you dare, uh, but uh, join in if uh, you feel the Lord speaking to you to do so when we get to that point, that ought to scare you real good before we get there, and I'll wait to the very end before we do. So you've got between now and then to worry about what I'm going to do to you at the end of the message. Romans 8, 31. This, is, this brings us, we're, we're, at, we're at this point uh, in the chapter where we've covered so many aspects of, of who the Lord is, what he's done, some of how he's done it, uh, trying to make sense of, of it and, you know, our salvation and all these things. And 
and we get through these, you know, big pieces of the puzzle of, you know, just kind of even who God is and, you know, his sovereignty and all of these things, and we get to this spot. And, and you know, I, I don't know where you are today. I've spent uh, a decent amount of time over the last several days, uh, you know, ministering to uh, a few different people that are just going through uh, some really rough moments in life. Uh, and, and maybe you're in one of those places. Maybe you're, maybe, maybe there's some anxiety. Maybe there's, I, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, but today I hope that we get to minister to you. I hope the Lord ministers to you uh, through his word and what he says to us. And it starts in verse 31 where it says this. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We love, we love this verse, right? You know, we love this verse. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We love anything that we can put out there and feels like that we can kind of charge, you know, on through life, uh, you know, with it, knowing that the Lord has our back. And, I, and I'm with you, you know, I'm with you on that, okay? I'm not saying that I don't love it either, I do. Um, you know, I, I think for us to, to get a, a full of, you know, kind of what's going on in this passage, in this verse, I think we have to start there with the beginning. First of all, this is, it's interesting because as we look down through the different verses, and even if you've got your Bible open there and you look ahead and you look at the beginning of every one of the next uh, four verses, I think, um, each one of those verses starts with another W word, another question, uh, but all of the others are different than this one. This one is a what. The others are all a who, Right. And, and so, you know, there's this, you know, uh, understanding of, you know, what's going to, what's going to come in the way uh, of us and the Lord, you know. And so here it's, what then shall we say to these things? What are these things? Um, and after spending some time kind of studying on that and reading on that, I think it's kind of an understood that, uh, you know, it could just be the things that Paul is talking about, you know, here just in uh, chapter 8. It could be that. I don't think that's it. I think it's probably more uh, of the things that he's been talking about all through the book of Romans. You could say he's saying he's talking about the things uh, from chapters 5 through 8. Uh, the truth is, is you, to understand 5 through 8, you kind of needed to go 1 through 4 as well, you know. And so it's a building block thing, and I really think that he's just pointing back to everything that he's been talking about because it's a letter, right? It's a letter. And so as you're reading this, he's assuming you read the whole thing. He's not thinking, if I'm guessing, I could be wrong. Uh, you know, maybe the Lord prophesied to Paul about something crazy and helped him to see how the Lord may use, you know, this as a part of his word, you know, on down the road. Uh, that's very possible. We don't see Paul say anything about that, so I'm going to assume that's not the case. But he's assuming that you've been reading his letter and now you've gotten to this place in the letter. And he's saying, what then shall we say to these things? And so he's going back, he's pointing back, you know, and, and saying, you know, with these things, all of these things that he's talked about. I know we haven't studied the whole book of Romans, so we're going to stop right now and study all the rest of the other seven chapters we haven't covered. Y'all okay with that? Ready? Kitty, okay? Calm down. Uh, I know there's a Titans game today, okay? Um, you know, but no, th there's this, you know, but then there's this question. He, he says that and he follows it 
with this question. The question is, if God is for us, who can be against us in light of what I've been saying and what we know as of Romans 1 through 8, right? Uh, and so he's, he's, it's, it's almost in a way, he's almost stating. He's, it's, it's a question, but it's, it's like a rhetorical question. He's, he's making the question to make the statement. What's the statement? You know, well, he's stating for us, God is for us. Not is God for us, question mark. I mean, he's asking the question, but he's doing so almost kind of like a, hello, hello, McFly, Bueller, are you there? Are you with me? You know, kind of thing like God is for us. And this understanding that we have peace with God, that we're not condemned before God, that we've been adopted by God. All of these pieces are pieces of this even just chapter uh, of, of the chapters uh, leading up to chapter 8, that we see all of these things, that we have glorification, hope in God, that we're called by God, justified by God, adopted by God, that we're not condemned by God, just to name a few. And so what about those against us? Maybe you have those against us in this life. Uh, maybe you've got enemies in this life. I hope not. I hope you don't have any enemies. Uh, maybe you've got people who don't like you. doesn't mean you can't love them, okay? That's a tough place to get in your heart, but I encourage you to get there. Like, let the Lord overcome the bitterness in your heart and help you get there. Because um, I'm going to tell you what, the bitterness that is there is doing nothing but dragging you down, okay? So let the Lord overcome that. Uh, you know, we go back, if we go back to Psalm 56, verse 9, we have, we have this this little piece of the puzzle, it says, then my enemies, and by the way, Paul's very versed in the Psalms, and he even quotes it later in the passage here, Psalm 56, 9, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call, this I know that God is for me. So, you know, this almost really feels like Paul kind of a, doing a pointing back, because, you know, what did he say? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, there's, there's, this, there's this outline like who is against us kind of thing going on there. We have the what and the who in verse 31 there, whereas the other verses I said before kind of leave us with the who's, and we'll go through all the who's here in just a minute. Not the who's the band, okay, but you know what I'm talking about. And so then we've got, you know, this, this you know, some passage from Psalms, which kind of backs this up in this understanding of if it is an actual enemy, well, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In other words, not even physical earthly enemies can come against the Lord. Praise God for that, right? Because I, I, know, I know that some of you at times have had physical enemies that literally have brought you to your knees, that have literally brought you to places of, of not knowing what your life looks like in the days of head kind of thing. And here, we, we get to walk in this peace of God's word. What then shall we say to these things? What things? Things like we're not condemned. We've been adopted by God. We've been justified by him, called by him. There's a lot more. 
okay? But in those things, he's saying, and therefore, if God is for us, who can, who is against us? He's saying God is for us. They can't be against us. He's got a plan. He's always got a plan. And our enemies don't stand a chance before the Lord. Verse 32, the next verse there, which is very much tied to verse 31. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, also with him graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also how will he not also with him graciously give all things? So Paul brings up now this understanding of Jesus and that he's given us Jesus. Now, this isn't a new thought for a lot of us, but I want us to work, I want us to work through this. I want us to see, you know, what 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 the Lord has for us here. Um, he's saying he gave Jesus. There shouldn't be a doubt, right? That if he's for us or not, he gave Jesus. Like he he it's it's not like he withheld him, you know. How will he not graciously give us all things if he did not spare his own son, which has this kind of a ring to it of Abraham and Isaac going back to, you know, him telling Abraham, hey man, put your son on the altar. You're going to take him up on the hill and you're going to sacrifice him. I want you to be ready to do all this, you know, and then Abraham gets up there and he does all the stuff. And then what? God spares the son. But God didn't spare his own son. So if he didn't spare his own son, that's kind of what Paul's saying here. If he didn't spare his own son, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, right? You know? And so there's this understanding that he wants to give to us. Now I want us to be clear here. This isn't some entry point for the prosperity gospel, okay? It'd be real easy for some to take that verse and go, oh, God gives us all things. He's going to give me whatever I want. I'm going to name it and claim it. No, you're not. Because that's not biblical, okay? For us to understand this piece of the puzzle is that he has saved us to continually make us into the image of Christ. He has saved us for a plan and for his glory for this kingdom, which is all over scripture when the other one is not, okay? So that we're real clear. Uh, not so that we get whatever we want. Uh, but the truth is, is that this is amazing. The fact that he saved us, right? The fact that he has a plan. Now our sinful selves would love to be like, yeah, but it'd been real great if he just like, really gave me everything I really wanted and really let me have my way. But that's just us being stupid, right? Because we know better. Like left our own devices, left to make our own plans, to let us have everything we want. Do you know how dumb we would be? I told one of the ladies in our church, his husband passed a while back. He was a car guy and we were talking about his car stuff and she's got to figure out all these things and you know, she was like, you know, I've I got a few things I want you to have. I was like, look, I, you know, I don't have to have any of that. I really appreciate that. You know, 
love to help you, you know, find homes for it or whatever. I'm glad to buy something maybe, you know. And uh, she said, well, you know, he just loved all the cars. I said, oh, I know. I know. I do too. I said, the Lord will never, ever give me a ton of money because he knows that I just have like stupid looking big buildings full of, full of cars. It'd just be the dumbest thing ever. And people would come walking around and be like, oh, well, that's great. You know, you got all this stuff. People, people dying and needing food and everything else. What are you, what are you doing with all, this, with all this money, right? And that's just us. We're sinners. We love sin. We love things. This isn't about things. This is about the kingdom. This is about his glory. This is about forever. So hard for us to get our minds around sometimes, but forever is so much better than what we think, you know? And so he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not graciously give us all things? Is pointed to this, you know, Paul's pointing to this understanding of that, you know, why would we think that he wouldn't do one and not do the other? Tony Morita actually in his commentary, he had a he had an illustration, I'm stealing it, but I'm making it my own. Uh, you know, kind of put it this way of, you know, what what if what if, you know, we, you know, had tickets to this great concert? I mean, just super great concert that's coming through town. Pick your pick your flavor. I bought I bought tickets the other day for Sammy. You know, Sammy's coming through town, gonna be doing the Van Halen thing with Satriani and all that. I know you don't know who I'm talking about, and that's okay. But anyway, it's going to be great. And I'm excited about it. And it's going to be at Bridgestone. So, you know, we're going to have to go down to the Bridgestone. And if you've ever been down to the Bridgestone here right lately and you've had to pay to park during any type of event going, any, going on anywhere around, you can go right next door to the First Baptist Church, right? $50 will get you a parking spot right there, okay? And so, uh, you know, the idea here, you know, that... We would go to the concert. Let's say we're going to go to the concert. We spent hundreds of dollars on the tickets, and then we're going to ride down. We'll spend the gas to get down there. Maybe we ate dinner on the way or something, you know. And then we get down there, and let's just say, just for kicks and giggles, because, you know, let's just say you're not great at knowing where to park, and you just literally it's the last parking spot left on the planets over there at First Baptist, which helped them actually renovate their whole church, which is great for them, Right. Everybody needs, a, every church needs a parking lot like that, right? Uh, can I get an amen? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's just say the last parking spot's right there at FBC. We're going to get in there, and we're going to get that spot. When we get there, and we find out it's $50. We're like, oh, no, I'm going to draw the line right here. We're not, we're not going in that concert because this parking spot's 50 bucks. I'm, I am done. We are going home. No. No. I, if, if we had to pay some off-duty police officer to stand by our car on Broadway that night, we, we'd be going to the show, right? We'd park two miles away and walk in. Walking the deal. Not like church, though. If it's raining, we may or may not show up, but you know, we'll, we'll park. We spent the money on those tickets, right? And we're going, right? We're going. Oh, somebody got nudged. I'm sorry. I didn't even mean to look in your direction. I apologize. And so, but anyway, 
Uh, yeah, and so, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go, and that's what Paul's saying here. He's like, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Amazing. His everlasting love isn't just going to stop. It's not going to stop. Okay? So then verse 33 keeps going. He says, who? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So he posed the question, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Well, this is courtroom talk, right? Some of you guys are more familiar with this, but you know, now we're, now we're bringing up charges, right? Who's going to bring up charge against, against God's elect? And then immediately he's answering the question with the statement. It is God who justifies. Not anybody else. He's saying there is no one else that supersedes God here. He saves, he justifies, no one else, period. Verse 34. Verse 34 says, who is to condemn? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is it at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us? The question, who is to condemn? Then he goes on answering his question, right? Who is to condemn? And he starts there with Jesus Christ is the one who died. So here, Paul takes a second and actually walks us through the gospel. If you're paying close attention to that verse, that's exactly what happens here. He says, who is to condemn? Well, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Jesus. Who is at the right hand of God? Jesus. Who is interceding for us? Jesus. Right? He's saying, Jesus is the one that died in our place, was risen for us, and again, Jesus is the one who saved us. He's the one that's interceding for us. He's the only one that could do these things, and he's not condemning, not condemned, not condemning us today. He's standing in our place, saving all who believe in him. That's what Jesus is doing. He's like, so, okay, who, who is to condemn us? Well, he's like, well, let's talk about Jesus for a minute because he's the one with the power, right? And he's like, not him. Not him. He rose again for us, right? He died for us. He died to take the place of our sin for the punishment that we deserve for our sins was raised from the dead for us, defeated death on our behalf that we will never know death like someone who doesn't know Jesus, right? And is interceding for us so that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, not our all messed up selves, right? Right? Praise God for that. 
Who's going to condemn us? <laughs> Not Jesus. What about the guy down the street? Who cares? He doesn't supersede Jesus. Right? Jesus is the one that's got to say, not anybody else. And then we come to verse 35. And verse 35 kind of starts a series of verses that kind of go together. We're going to talk through them. And in fact, there's a couple of them, a few of them actually, that were supposed to be a part of another message. They're still going to be a part of another message. We're going to talk about them a little bit today and the beginning of our Christmas series next week. Verse 35, it says this. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This, this is the question that he's trying to get us to right here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who you got? Who's it going to be? What's it going to be? Because he goes immediately into shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword, separate us from the love of God? And again, he's asking a question that we know the answer to. He's, he's almost asking the same question over and over. He keeps coming back to it, and he's hammering it home because he knows something about our hearts. God knows something about our hearts. And that's that, that it's that we need to be reminded of the truth over and over and over again. For us to have this understanding where he said this, it's possible for us to know the gospel, yet our hearts be cold spiritually. It's possible for us to know the gospel, yet our hearts be cold spiritually. We get there, don't we? I've been there. I'm going to bet you've been there too, right? And the truth is we need to hear the gospel. We need to think it through. We are sheep and we need a shepherd to shepherd us at times. And that's what the Lord wants to do for us through his word, right? So let's look at it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He starts with, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Let's talk about these things. The first couple, they're tribulation and distress, these afflictions, right? Tribulation and distress. You got a little tribulation that comes into life, a little distress that comes into life, something you didn't expect to happen. All of a sudden, what are we doing? Oh, no. What are we going to do here now? Right? Come on. Come on. Guess what? It doesn't do it. He's still there. He's still there. Furthermore, you go next in line there, persecution. Now, we're talking, this is talking about Paul writing. This is not talking about 2023 persecution, where it's like, oh, somebody got on my Facebook post and like questioned what I was saying about Jesus. I'm so sorry. Paul literally running around for his life, sharing Jesus, you know? I mean, like, literally in danger of life, right? The persecution he's talking about is a little different than the persecution that you and I are familiar with. 
But there are people in this world that are sharing in that persecution. And for them, has the Lord left them? No. He's still there. He's still there. Famine, nakedness, these are necessities. You ever been in a place in life where you wondered if you were going to have enough for your family? I'd venture to say that most people in this room probably have been there at some point in time. We've been real close. I don't think we've ever truly really been there, but we've had those moments where we as a family have thought, I'm, we're not sure how this is going to play out, right? Has the Lord left us in those moments? No. He's still there. He's still there. Furthermore, he keeps going. It says, or danger, danger, moments of harmful uncertainty where literally we might be in like real danger. Has the Lord left us? No. He's still there. Sword, you know what he means by sword? He's not talking about like a sword collection. He's not talking about like, well, use that the sword convention, you know, down at the fairgrounds and checking out everybody's sword. No, he's talking about death. He's talking about literal worried about death. Has the Lord left us? No. He's still there. And that includes sometimes he allows people to die. And he's still there. And in verse 36, he quotes from Psalm 44, 22 here. He says, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And you're like, what? Is this having to do with the sword thing? Like, what is this? He's saying this. He's making a statement at the end of, of saying, you know, who, will, who shall separate us from the love of Christ and listing all these things. He's making this statement. And the state statement is this, suffering is part of it. He's saying expect it. Be ready for it. Don't fall apart when it comes. If you play Pac-Man, anybody, anybody a Pac-Man player? Just out of curiosity, we got any like grade A level Pac-Man players in here? You can, come, you can come play just because you lifted your hand. You get to come play for free. The rest of y'all can pay. <laughs> I can sell you one for Christmas. Just saying. That's the first time I've ever plugged my business. But there we go. If you play Pac-Man, you know, unless you're just never played Pac-Man and you don't have a clue, but if you play Pac-Man, when you start playing Pac-Man, you know one thing's about to happen. There's four ghosts, and they're coming for you. They're going to eat you. Now, you eat the power pellet, turn them blue, before they go back to being their colors again, then, you know, you get to eat them. But, uh, you know, even still, they just go back and turn back into the same old ghost they were, and they're coming back after you. Right? It's part of the game. Part of being a Christian is suffering. Paul it's actually doing a great thing as a leader for us in this moment. 
and trying to help prepare us for reality of life. That suffering is a piece of the puzzle. You may be in the middle of that today. Verse 37, he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want to say one thing about that verse. I'm going to read the next two verses in just a second. We'll look at them more next week. But it said this in that verse, No, in, in is very important right there. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In these things. He says, in these things. He doesn't say, out of these things or apart from these things. He's saying, in these things. That these things are going to happen. That he allows us to be in them. We don't always like this, right? Because we don't love pain and suffering. But when we can understand that he's still there and that we're walking with it through him and we have truths to hold on to, like if God is for us, who can be against us? And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And that we know that the answer is no one? Then it makes more sense to us. I gave, I gave five reasons that Piper shared a couple weeks ago, a few weeks back, of why the Lord, through Scripture, that we see in the Scripture, there could be more, more reasons um, for suffering, okay, that God gives us. One of them is to lead us to repentance, Right? One is so that we will rely on God because we'll go do it on our own if we think that we can, right? To refine and increase our righteousness and holiness in us, to build up reward in heaven, and to reveal the sin, the evil of our sin. And we need those things. We need God to do those things for us. Because again, left us, man, we're in a struggle. We're like struggle bus city. We're like waiting it to stop. And we go back to, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors all on our own, right? No. Through him who loved us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then we get verses 38 and 39, and I'm just going to read them. They're just that good. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How about that? None of them will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The final answer. What, who can separate us from the love of God? 
no one. Nothing. God's love in Christ has made us super conquerors. So, normally at the end of a message, I just pray. Here's that part you were supposed to be anxious about, right? But today I want to pray specifically for some of you that are here or listening in online right now. And here's what we're going to do. Just follow me where I'm going here. Don't, don't get afraid. Nothing I'm going to do today is, is meant to um, single anybody out or whatever. But some of you, I feel like, probably need to be ministered in a special way today. And that's okay. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you're suffering in a major way. Maybe you have suffered great loss. Lost loved ones recently. You're dreading Christmas for it. Maybe lost relationships. Maybe a lost job maybe lost finances, some great conflict, some great uncertainty and direction in your life right now, suffering maybe even from unbelief, not just even knowing whether or not to even trust the Lord at this point because of things that you've been through. Maybe anxiety just going through the roof. Maybe you have a reason to be concerned that one of these things is coming. I don't know. But if you're in a place today where if you're just being real honest, just saying, you know, I'm going through something right now and I need somebody to pray for me, I'm going to ask all at once, count of three, if that's you and you'd be willing, just stand to your feet. We're not going to single you out. We're going to pray for you. You got me? One, two, three. If you feel so led to maybe come around somebody that's near you, to pray, put a hand on them, to pray for them right now, we're going to pray. you got like five seconds to do that, by the way, because we're about to pray. God, we come right now. God, you know, you know what's going on in the hearts of so many and, and probably some that haven't even stood up today and that's okay. God, I pray for their comfort right now. God, I pray, Lord, for their protection right now. I pray for their peace right now. God, the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, I pray that you would do something so special their lives today. God, that they would know it's you. God, I just pray, God, that you would just come over them. God, I pray that if they need ministry further from this morning, God, that they would reach out for it and that they wouldn't hold back. God, that they would let others love on them and care for them. And God, for now, God, I pray that you would love on them and that you would care for them and that you would remind them today that you're still there. 
God, thank you for the comfort that you bring to us in moments like this. Lord, when we need you the most through suffering, through pain, through trials and tribulations, whatever it is, God, I just pray for healing. God, I pray for your providing. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to get to be a church today who can love on one another, be there for one another. God, lift one another up. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the work you've done through him on the cross and an empty tomb to save us. God, I pray for anyone right now, Lord, that has entrusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would know you as their Savior. God, thank you. Thank you for that. We ask all this today in his name. Amen. Won't we all stand? I just want to say... The chapter starts, and we're not necessarily done with the chapter, but the chapter starts with no condemnation, right? Not condemned, no condemnation. But it ends with no separation. It ends with no separation. And this morning, if you're separated from God, if you don't know Christ, I'd love to get to speak with you and talk with you about the gospel and let you know what that is, to pray with you. And as a reminder, He's still there.